Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now on our 15th episode of 2022. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank our sponsors of Fiber for Breakfast, including our gold sponsors, CHR Solutions, Millennium, and Plume, and our silver sponsor, Graybar. We are now one month away from NTI issuing the $42.45 billion B NOFO Notice of Funding Opportunity. The Fiber Broadband Association and NTCA sent a joint letter to the Assistant Secretary, Alan Davidson, as a follow-up to a letter that was sent from the House Energy and Commerce Committee on March 21st, urging NTIA to prioritize fiber, among other things. The FBA NTCA letter is focused on the following five priorities for the NOFO. You know, first, to prioritize funding for future-proof all-fiber networks, to make sure that we hit unserved areas first and then underserved locations. Third, to establish a fair and objective standard to review proposed deployment projects. And fourth is to make sure that we fund um, competent providers and entities with proven track records that will um, deploy proven technologies. And lastly, we want to make sure that um, that those providers are going to serve every member of the community. Uh, of the community. So we want to have um, for preference for applications with high penetration rates. You know, at the FCC, the Fiber Broadband Association has filed comments and reply comments on the broadband nutrition label uh, proceeding. Our ask is simple. We strongly believe that the broadband nutrition labels should include the technology or which the broadband service is being delivered, whether that is fiber, cable, fixed wireless, or whatever. Our studies have shown that consumers want to know they're getting fiber. You know, next week is our next regional Fiber Connect event at the Omni in Providence, Rhode Island on Tuesday, April 19th. We'll hear from Daniela Fairchild, Rhode Island Commerce, who is the state broadband director, and from the state representative, Deb Ruggiero, on the state of broadband in Rhode Island. We have a great lineup of speakers, and we expect a broad audience from community leaders across New England. So you're not gonna wanna miss that. You know, after Rhode Island, we're gonna be heading to Nashville, from June 12th to 15th for Fiber Connect 2022. You know, our annual conference is shaping up to be the top event in the industry this year with over 200 speakers and over 100 se- 170 sessions planned this year. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. So also, if you register during the early bird registration, you'll get free admission into our pre-conference workshops. We have five of those this year. So early bird registration ends on Friday, this Friday, April 15th. So make sure you get registered. After Nashville, we'll be heading to Copper Mountain Resort in Colorado on August 23rd, and then into Columbus, Ohio on November 3rd. So we'll see you there. So speaking of closing the digital equity gap, today's Five for Breakfast session, we're gonna be focused on an area of counties surrounding the border of Oklahoma and Arkansas called the Ozarks. This morning, we'll be discussing the role of rural broadband for Ozarks. 
you know, last week at Fire for Breakfast, we spoke to my former colleague, Steve Alexander, the CTO of Siena on the Terabit Edge. You know, last week, Steve showed us a 400 gig, that's 400 gig optical transceiver that literally fit in the palm of his hand. He outlined a very exciting path in the very near future where we'll be moving from gigabits to terabits. This morning, we have the pleasure to speak with Stephen Brandy, the general manager of Ozarks Go on the rural of rural broadband for Ozarks Go. You know, Ozarks Go began fiber construction in 2016 and completed its fiber build out with its electric co-op footprint in 2021. Stephen is gonna share with us Ozarks Go's journey and the positive impact it's had on the communities it serves. Stephen Bandy is the general manager of Ozark Go and has over 20 years of utility experience from field to management that has included leadership roles in engineering, operations, customer service, billing, and dispatch. In his previous position, Stephen has worked for independently owned utility companies focused on distribution of natural gas and a diversified company with both natural gas and electric um, customers. Stephen joined Ozark's um, electric cooperative in 2016 as vice president of membership relations and was promoted to general manager of Ozarks Goes in February of 2019. So welcome, Stephen. And for our audience, you know, please type in your questions as you go and we'll have that Q&A at the end. So with that, I'll turn it over to Stephen. Good morning, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, get going through the presentation here and really what uh, the decision of Ozarks Electric when we went out and really decided to deploy broadband and, and just the role of Ozarks Go that it's played in the time uh, <clears throat> since we started. So if you want to go ahead and advance the slide. Uh, just a little bit about Ozarks Electric. We have about 7,000 miles of electric line, over 84,000 meters. Our density is about 11 meters per mile. And you can see there we're in northwest Arkansas, northeast Oklahoma. It's a very fast-growing region. Uh, as an electric utility, it's you know we have high lot reliability, our rates are low, and a really high member satisfaction. Uh, at one point, hitting a 96 uh, on our ACSI score, so uh, about 250 employees. But really, our purposes are powering our communities and empowering our members. It's really our focus. You can see there as Ozarks go, it's a 100% cooperative owned. It's an all fiber network with gigabit speeds. Uh, we do have triple play, internet, phone, and TV. Uh, we have four phase construction. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, my first board meeting coming in, uh, we originally had a six phase uh, plan and we decided to accelerate that to a four, four phase plan. So uh, it was a really interesting first meeting to, to join in and really, really accelerate the need of deploying into the rural areas. Uh, 50 employees for Ozarks Go, uh, you know, that already updated as of this week. So when I put these slides together, we now have 52 employees. So we continue to grow and also we're showing that we're adding jobs and value into this area with uh, 50 new, 50 plus new hires over the last uh, five years. Uh, one of the reasons we are one of the fastest growing is, you know, we, we getting to the point where we want to quit telling people about this area. I mean, it's the fourth base, best place to live. It's a it's a metro area uh, that really extends. You can't really tell when you go from one town to the next, but yet when you drive just a little bit outside that, you really start getting into rural Arkansas. So uh, you have a mixture of urban and rural uh, with, a, with a lot of area 
of growth to the east and west of our main corridor uh, along an interstate that goes right up the middle of, uh, you know, through our territories. Uh, we're averaging about a 4% meter growth, uh, which is uh, very big for, for an electric cooperative. And one of our drivers, you know, our main drivers is, is we have, you know, Fortune 500 companies right here. Uh, you have Walmart, Tyson, Cargill, J.B. Hunt, and of course we have the University of Arkansas, which is uh, brings in students and everything else. So we also have a migrant community that goes in and out uh, with the school and, and when the when the uh, when the years change. So so really a, a driver of our growth is driven by by the by the companies that we have in this area and bringing in their support and vendor support. Kind of like what I said at the fiber to the timeline, uh, the fiber to the home timeline, you can see there we started in March 2016 with a board approval, uh, name was formed. Uh, 2016 really hit the ground running, started about September, October, the construction really started to begin. Um, December the 16th, we had our data center in place uh, to be able to feed all of our pot buildings. Uh, then in June 2017, you can see there I had a, we had a pilot period where we had our first customer on and it was really key for us to make sure that everything that we set up in the first uh, phase of our construction, everything was working. So we had a pilot period there that had a, you know, about 100 customers on it that we were really making sure that everything worked. TV was going and then we had a full launch of our TV service in June 2017. Um, Ozarks Go does own its own head end and distribute video from there, from our data center. And then from there, we just started to grow, um, you know, a thousand customers online within the first six or seven months. We hit 10,000 uh, shortly after that in, in June, 2019, uh, a little bit over a year over that, we hit 20,000. Our construction did complete in November, 2021 uh, to all of our, uh, all of our in territory areas. Um, so the construction for the Ozarks Electric members uh, was completed in 2021 with uh, one year ahead of schedule. So that kind of goes back to why we reduced it down from a four to from a six phase to a four phase. And that was a really big decision for us. And I'm, I'm glad we did it, uh, especially now getting to the tail end with, you know, we're all fighting uh, resource needs, uh, inventory needs, everything like that. So uh, it's, it's nice to kind of have that the major pieces of our project wrapped up and really starting to look into external growth. Um, you know, we are a regulated entity uh, within a non-regulated being the, the cooperative side, and we have no boundaries within the state of Arkansas. So uh, on the regulated side for Ozarks Go, so we can expand into other areas and we are looking at that. I'll talk about that a little bit later. And then as of January, 2022, we hit a 30,000 online and then today we have over 33,000 subscribers. And even though we're at the tail end and our construction's complete, we're still growing at about 600 signups a month. So there's a lot of interest in the in broadband and what we're doing, and you know just the reliability of our system. This was kind of a little summary of you know our our role in the rural broadband. Um, you know, we're really seeing it as sustainability and an economic development. Uh, you can see we're bringing jobs in. Uh, we're bringing high-speed internet connections where people can now work from home. Uh, they can, uh, you know, call their doctors for any medical advice, which, you know, in a lot of our places, you couldn't do that. The best they had was dial-up. So, 
we're, we're providing that high speed and a reliable telecommunication service internally within our system. Not only that, um, we also are building a, a smarter smart grid. Uh, we're using all of the fiber backbone as, you know, for information pieces that will help for outage restoration, uh, future offerings to our members, and, and just better, quicker reliability into our system. So we're using both sides of the fiber structure into our areas to make sure we're properly serving our members. And not only that, also providing a service for them beyond, um, beyond what they had previously. The $13 million a year based on when we launched this, that was discretionary income that we, that we forecasted by the growth of our system, how much money that our customers would have based on our price points versus our competition. And we estimated about a $13 million worth of uh, uh, discretionary income that could go back into the economy for our, uh, for our area. And then of course, I've talked about a little bit about that advanced metering and infrastructure and the smarter smart grid. So really everything, that's, that's the reasons we got into it uh, is to really you know, make sure that we're not dependent upon other providers for reliability on our electric side. Uh, you know, we may have a, uh, one of our substations go down and it may take weeks for someone to get out there just to you know check a modem or something like that and today uh, something happens we, it's internal and we have our crews out there within hours to make sure that services are restored and they have communications in hand uh, just a little bit on this slide i know it could be a little bit of confusing versus target by phase versus take rate so i wanted to kind of show you our percent of target by phase um, what we're looking at there is what our financial projections were to be able to, for example, for us to be uh, in 2022, we would want to be in each of those phases at 100%. Uh, so you can see, you know, already being after the first quarter of the year, uh, we're above our targets in the first quarter uh, to hit our financial measures. Uh, we're 16% above uh, where we expected to be financially for our financials. We're 17% in phase two. 60% and then we're 130% in the in the phase four. And you can see the natural progression there of urban to rural. And that's one of the things that is really hard for, uh, you know, for early on our members on the electric side was, man, you know, you're putting it in town first, but, you know, we're the ones that need it out here. And there's a lot of communication and everything that has to go on there, but you kind of have to build it like a spider web. You can't build it to your furthest point first and come in. So. And on top of that, we really wanted to make sure that as this was going, we were one of the first cooperatives uh, really to start uh, start this start these types of projects, and we were the first one in Arkansas. And we just wanted to make sure that everything was going to be sustainable. So if we had to pull off of it, it would be self-supported going forward. Our overall take rates based on our passings in our competitive areas, we have um, uh, three to four. Uh, other competitors with our area that we're competing against very well. Um, the first phase that we went into was probably one of our most competitive phases, and we're seeing great take rates into those areas and continue to get signups in those areas each month. But our competitive areas, we're averaging about a 37%, our non-competitive areas about a 47, and overall about a 40% penetration rate, really four years, five years into this project. So a really good interest, a uh, big interest into broadband, what we're doing, and it's really helped on the growth of Ozarks Go. Yeah, I know the print on this is small, but uh, you know, the, really the reason is this is some really good work our marketing team has done to put together. This is a couple of examples of really 
you know, our customers taking the service into the rural areas. Both of these customers come from Adair County. Adair County is, is listed as, as, you know, one of the um, uh, highest in poverty level in Oklahoma, uh, really had an economic downturn. Uh, going through this, you know, when I first started and four Ozarks go really got into that area, we were seeing in some areas either, you know, loss of meters or, um, you know, barely any growth at all. And I can say after we're in there, we're fully deployed into these areas, we're seeing growth in the meter counts over there, uh, whereas we were having economic downturn. But really, when you're looking at this, I mean, you got green country farms. Um, you know, this farmer has 150 house, 154 houses across 16 farms. He was running everything off of, uh, you know, cellular or dial up. Uh, basically, when anything had to happen, he probably couldn't do very much from his house. He had to go actually drive to the farm to make any of his adjustments. And if anybody's in the poultry business, poultry businesses went from a walkthrough to uh, everything is automated, uh, everything is, is computerized, you know, how you add the air, how you lower your shades, everything is done uh, through a computer now. Um, this farmer has been able to now do this. You can see him on his iPhone. He's been able to do this and manage all of his locations all just from the from his iPhone. So that's really been a help for him. And then MTech Cave. This is a young entrepreneur within the city of Stillwell. And I'll talk about Stillwell here in a second. But um, he put in a, a kind of a computer repair. Uh, also has a gaming. Uh, area within his 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 has a gaming lounge within his uh, within his um, business and allows people to come in and download if they don't have good speeds and also play video games and it's really really would have never been offered without a gig service within this community within Stillwell too early on we this is a rural community within Adair County and the incumbent just decided to leave because they were like, you just can't make any money there. I mean, they, they pulled out and the city of Stillwell was left with nothing. Uh, city of Stillwell has their own electric power and, and manages it through the city. Uh, it's kind of out of our territory and they reached out to us and we actually deployed fiber within the city, working with the city. And there's about 1900 residents in there and we have um, almost 900 subscribers in there. So, you know, almost a 45, 46% take rate on some, where somewhere said, that another incumbent said, you can't make any money here and no one's taking service. So uh, we really helped those communities over there to be able to, to really break that digital divide and, and go through there. Our, our rule, our, our role in within the rural broadband through COVID, you can see there our annual installs and what COVID really pushed for us. And, you know, it was really hard to work around some of the requirements of masks and people wanting to come into your homes and, you know, all the, the personal protective equipment and everything that we had to, to use to be able to do this. And, you know, our staff did a wonderful job. Um, you know, we did it with very few issues of any type of COVID. So um, uh, COVID cases within the deployment of this time frame. So I think the group did a really good job of making sure equipment was clean and they did it safely. But you can see from 2019 into 2020 when the pandemic started to really hit, the increase of our average installs per month. And that led right over into 2021. Um, you know, one of our peak months in, in 2021, we had over 1,200 installs a month in the month. 
but we averaged 975 installs a month uh, through 2021. And during this time, we also increased all of our 100 megabit customers. We offer 100 meg and we offer a gig. We offer two speed packages. We also increased all of our customers from 100 to 200 at no additional cost, which would help them for those that had kids that were uh, homeschooling and plus that all the parents that were home working. So that was a big help and a, a very uh, well supported from our from our customer base and our members. But you can also see over the time the gigabit take rate from 2022, 2019 to 2021, how much that grew. And a lot of that's driven by our marketing team being able to go in and seeing those people that were hitting up to their caps and, and really going out and making sure that we're getting marketing material, letting them to know what the gig speeds can do. And then people just coming on saying they want more speed. So, you know, over that time we had a 13% increase, which was a pretty significant increase to our ARPU uh, for our gigabit take rate. You can see here, this is this is kind of our area. Um, this is the phase deployment we did. Uh, the, the lines within it are the backbone that we have. Uh, we have a 100 gig backbone that goes across that. Uh, we are working this year. Uh, we work, we're reaching some areas where we have some capacity and making sure that we're staying ahead of the curve to, to make sure our customers have good, reliable service. Uh, we are deploying some of that Sienna equipment, Gary, that you talked about earlier to really increase that bandwidth in a few areas uh, across our network and be able to help other cooperatives, which I'll talk about that through our diamond state structure. But one of the things we did early on is that little, that yellow line that goes up uh, to the north into Missouri, uh, we go up and, and, and connect into a tier one carrier there. And we wanted to have control of our own destiny there. And on top of that, that, um, that extension that goes up through there, we've got a 288 that goes up through, that goes right along I-49, it follows the highway. So we have the ability to bridge off of that as we deploy north and continue to our loop. So uh, good planning ongoing, a little red circle there is where we won some art off money that we're gonna really probably in the next month begin uh, deployment into those areas and continue building our loop uh, up into uh, Benton County to the north of us. Uh, we're still awaiting some opportunities from our state funding um, that's going to be coming out in the next month and we still are exploring all the stuff that's coming out in the infrastructure bill just like I'm sure everybody else is on the call. So our continued role, uh, one of the things we did is we joined, there's 14 cooperatives there, you know, we joined together with 13 other cooperatives with the, with a vision of having Arkansas as the most significantly connected state in the country. And not only that, we're going to have the mission of catalyzing the growth of a high-speed uh, network across Arkansas. In a lot of areas in our rural, really rural areas across Arkansas, there's just not a lot of ability for connectivity to a middle-mile network. Our intent is, is to deploy a network uh, across the state of Arkansas, and with that, we form Diamond State Networks. And it's uh, taking off with a lot of success. Uh, a lot of hard work's gone into that by by a lot of individuals that uh, are really trying to make that. Uh, deployment work. You can see there the impacts of the fiber project uh, as a combined front with the 13 other. We're going to be deploying about 50,000 miles of fiber across Arkansas. It's now almost up to a $2 billion total investment from the cooperatives within Arkansas to deploy this fiber. Uh, we estimate just over about 490,000 passings with 1.25 million uh, residents, which is a little over 40% of the population of Arkansas. And you got to think about that. Most of your populations in your in your 
our larger towns, you know, our corridor, Little Rock, Jonesboro, Texarkana. So, um, you know, where they have broadband. So we're really reaching the rest of the members. So the rest of the customers that don't have access to reliable broadband. Uh, we are going to be able to go through 71 and 75 of the counties, and we're going to serve about 64, 64% of the land mass of Arkansas. Uh, this is a little bit of a, a map. The, the green areas are the cooperative areas or where money has been won that we're going to be filling in. Uh, the blue line is our middle mile network between the, uh, that we're working with our statewide uh, Arkansas Electric Cooperatives to help deploy that with us where we have uh, shared fiber agreements. Uh, you can see the pop locations we have to boost it. Uh, we're using Sienna in that one as well. And then we're going to have four routing and content peering sites uh, within the state. Uh, a good portion of that right now is coming out of the Ozarks Go Data Center. Uh, you know, we have agreements with uh, Netflix, Google, uh, working with Amazon Prime uh, to really have the peering down. And right now, just that content alone being here is already cutting, cutting down at about 40%, 45% of our out-of-state traffic that's coming right into here. So everything that we're trying to do here is to bring more of the peering everything into the state, bring economic development within the state, quit paying other locations, and really support the state of Arkansas and the rural deployment and make sure everybody is served with good, reliable broadband. So really Ozarks Go is a natural extension of our electric's purpose of powering communities and powering members. And, you know, we have success. We have, a, you know, a lot of people, you know, as a cooperative, uh, people know you. Uh, it's, a, it's a small area. And I know I've heard that on other uh, podcasts where cooperatives have talked. Uh, you can't go into a restaurant. You can't go to church. You can't go somewhere where someone's asking you about when you're going to be there and are you there and how do I get service? So um, it's, you know, the talk of the area. And those areas that we're not in yet, there's a lot of people that reach out and want to figure out how to get us there. So I think for our rural deployment, it has been a very solid contribution of Ozarks Electric by forming Ozarks Go to deploy into our rural areas. And uh, that's it. If you have any questions. Stephen, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, this is really impressive. Um, I really like the fact that you're able to generate $13 million a year in surplus that you can deploy. What do you do with that, that money? I'm sorry, it's raining really hard behind me. What was your question again? Oh, you know, you have that uh, $13 million of surplus that you're generating from your fiber build. What are you doing with that surplus? Well, right now it's it's paying for a lot of the, you know, the startup, um, you know, what we're going to do in the future. I mean, there's things that we can do since we are, you know, a subsidiary of the electric, we can put that back towards rate structures, uh, you know, CapEx, things like that to really control rates. There's you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to be able to do with the money that comes in once we get fully deployed and, uh, you know, everything looks good on, on paying back that initial push of, of escalating the project and moving forward. So um, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. Um, one of the things I've always said is, you know, when people ask me, I mean, you can do this job by working half days. Uh, it really doesn't matter which half of the 12 hour, you know, 24 hours you work, whether you work, you know, a.m. or p.m., but you're going to work 12 hour days. You can do it in a half day. So it's a lot of work to go into this. Well, hey, so we've got a lot of questions here. So economically, do you require a fixed penetration rate in the order to in order to build? And are you uh, pre-selling your current electric cu customers? And and then there's a follow up question on do you saw install new messenger self-supporting attachments to your three-phase poles? 
the so those that uh, we pre-enroll we did start doing that we found that to be an advantage for us as we deployed especially into the rural areas um, that helped us plan better and it keep kept our make ready costs down and we you know really had a, a lot of communication has to go around in that free pre-enrollment uh, what was the other question oh just on our are you doing this aerial or buried and and then are you leveraging your three phase poles and yeah we're um we are about 88 percent aerial 12 percent underground now everything that we do out of network of course we've been doing um doing underground so uh, and there were you know right now our system with our with our poles everything that where we're at uh, now that we're finally through with our make ready and deployment, our system is is top notch. It's it's up to date. All of our poles have been updated. Uh, those that needed to be, we also went through, you know, anything that needed to be changed out as far as uh, you know years of service or, you know, if they were showing any signs of wear and tear. So our system today is probably the healthiest it's ever been on the on the electric side. Oh, oh great. Um, yeah. So. There's some questions here that maybe you can follow up on. There's some requests for copies of your co-op joint agreements and initial plans and statewide um, cooperations. So I'll let you follow with that directly. But Stephen, just really appreciate you sharing the great work you're doing for um, the Ozarks and Arkansas in general, and the, really the, the positive impact that you're making on you know the communities that you're serving. So thank you for that. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today and I look forward to getting back together next Wednesday where we're going to be discussing Western Colorado regions elevate broadband with Nate Walwitzkit, um, the regional broadband director for the Northwest Colorado Council of Government. So you're not going to want to miss that. Thanks everyone. Thanks again, Stephen. And we'll see you guys hopefully on Tuesday at um, in Providence and then again on Wednesday at Fiber for Breakfast. Thanks everyone.